Good morning, good evening, wherever you are across the world and the universe. Welcome to Quantum Living, a mysterious dimension at the intersection of science and spirituality, where anything can happen. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for joining me on this quantum journey as I continue lifting the veil of other dimensions and realities to make them a part of our life. As always, please take away from the show only what resonates with you and discard the rest or put it aside for later. I hope you will enjoy today's episode. Okay, let's begin. Hello and welcome to yet another fascinating episode of Quantum Living. Yes, I say this every time, <laughs> and that's because it's true. And today's episode is no different. I hope that the title has intrigued you. Yes, we'll be talking about the Akashic Records of Soul Journeys. And everything, well, almost everything, shall be explained. The concept of soul journey is linked to the concept of reincarnation and the nature and purpose of the soul, a holographic fragment of God, all that is, separated from the source and set out on its own journey of experience, growth and discovery through the many mansions of my Father's kingdom, as the Bible says, many dimensions, worlds and realities. Most people interested in the spiritual aspect of our life have heard of Akashic Records, a mysterious library of the books of life containing every detail of every incarnation of each and every soul. Amazing. Is it true? And how can we tell? What are the Akashic Records? Where are they? What is Akasha? Can we access this information and benefit from it in some way? To help us unravel this great mystery, I have invited today a special guest who is an expert in this field, Julia Wesley. Julia is an Akashic Records reader, a soul blueprint healer, and the host of Becoming Divine podcast. She works with the Akash to help people heal their karma, better understand their divine nature, and remember how to live and expand in alignment with who they are. And now Julia joins me from Michigan. Hello, Julia. Welcome to Quantum Living. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation. I'm really looking forward to this chat. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Beautiful. When we spoke before this recording, as I usually do with my guests, when we started talking about this topic, we just couldn't stop. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I had to put on the brakes at some point to have to to save something for the actual interview. And I love when this happens as it's a great indication of a super conversation we will have on this podcast. Okay, so to begin with, could you please tell us a little bit about your personal journey? How did you end up on this path? So I originally got on this path, um, taking it seriously when I decided to deal with my mental health. So as a kid, I was always open to this kind of thing. Um, looking back on it now, I recognize when I was doing mediumship or when I was astral traveling or 
just weird things that I would know. I was a really excellent manifester. But then as I got older, I sort of forgot about it. And in middle school and high school, my mental health really degraded. And then I had pretty severe depression and anxiety. Um, and then in my early 20s, I decided to really finally do something about this because I realized that I, I couldn't keep living like that. And so the way that I decided to deal with it um, was through meditation. Um, and as I really started meditating very dedicatedly for a few years, um, my psychic faculties, I guess if you want to call them, started opening. So I would have all of these experiences that I would quite literally just be like, huh, that's interesting. I'd brush them aside and then just go right back to what I was doing. And that happened for a few years until one day um, I'm sitting on my couch and I see a man walk up to me in my mind's eye. Um, I just sort of knew that he was a guide for my grandmother. He flicked me on the forehead. I felt it. Um, and then he walked off in a huff and this freaked me out. And then I opened my eyes and I saw sort of like a I, I know that it's a really concentrated form of consciousness, but I was physically seeing it as this really odd sparkle right in front of me. Yeah, and that was enough for me to, like, it shocked me enough to where I was like, I have to take this seriously. Um, and then so as kismet would have it, um, there was a medium who was doing a workshop where I lived at the time in Nashville. Um and oddly enough, my dad came with me to the workshop, um, and we both discovered that we're, you know, psychically open. My dad is an excellent medium. Um, I do something a little different. I don't not do mediumship, but my focus lies elsewhere. Um, and so that's how I really got into this. That's how it all s sort of kickstarted. Okay, thank you for sharing. So, what are the Akashic records? Do you know the history, perhaps, where this information came from, and what is Akashic, Akash, Akasha, because I have seen various forms of this word. Could you explain this for us, please? Yeah, absolutely. So I think most people um, would say that the Akashic records, the concept of it comes from Edgar Casey, but really it's much older than that. Um, if you're familiar with the symbolism of the tree of life, um, that's an Akashic concept that symbolism there. Um, also, it's, I think, Vedic. You can really find it in Hinduism as well. It's a really old idea that we have really had access to for eons, but more modernly, I guess, if you want to put it that way, um, most people think it's, it's Edgar Cayce. What it really is, is I think most people would probably most easily understand it as sort of a the cosmic cloud where all of this information is just sort of uploaded and stored, and then you can kind of pull it down when you're looking for it. Most people, I think, uh, hear the term hall of records. So it's really common for people to witness in their mind's eye or sort of feel like they're in a library or something like mm -hmm. that. And they would pull out a scroll or a book or a tablet or however it is that you're seeing. Maybe you're scrying when you're in the records. Um, but really, it's just sort of a dimensional place and time space where uh, you can access the fabric of reality. Mm. What is the purpose of it? The purpose of it from a human mindset is to learn from it. So you can go into your own Akashic record um, and pull in your own energy, your own soul light and its purest, truest form. 
And then also we have the opportunity to let go of things like karmic ties that aren't serving us and to learn from past mistakes, to really meditate on them and to take the, the wisdom that can come from tragedies, for an example. Mm. But this would imply that when the Akashic Records came into being, for the lack of better, yeah. <laughs> better description from the beginning, that it was assumed that people or incarnated souls will gain access to it or will learn how to access this information in order to benefit from it, as you said. So it wasn't just for the purpose of having everything recorded for the source, the universe, God, all it is, but there was a much more practical purpose, which would imply once again that at some point in time, at least, that we will get actually access to it. Yes, absolutely. I tried to put emphasis on uh, the human purpose of the Akash, because an archangelic purpose would probably be different than a human purpose. And I mm, say specifically that you can access your soul light because you can. Um, it's your birthright. It's yours. And I think in bygone ages, um, it took a lot of study and practice and dedication in order to get into the space uh, and consciousness where you could access the Akashic Records. And so it really does have this kind of hallowed hall feel to it in our minds right now, but we all benefit from it, so we all have access to it. Now, that said, we all have access to our books, right? Um, they're yours, right? It would, you know, it's like you have access to your own home because it's yours. Uh, you don't necessarily have access to anyone else's records unless it serves you the greater good or the person you're trying to help there. So say, for instance, you can't just go mucking about in time space, um, digging your fingers around in, in mm. anything just because you're curious. You kind of have to have the right mindset. You have to be coming from a place of love and service um, because there actually are guardians of the Akash, which make sure uh, we're not putting our sticky fingers on everything. Because even in the Akash, you do leave a record and an imprint mm -hmm. of your interaction yeah. with it. So you have to be really meticulous. Yes, absolutely. So, and this leads to my next question, which is about the ethics of doing a reading for someone else, because obviously, as you said, you can easily access your own records, but if you'd like to do it for someone else, number one, do you need their permission? Number two, can you, or could you do it without them even knowing? Because this would be like, you know, hacking into someone's bank account <laughs> <laughs> or some personal uh, file and reading all the information that really belongs to that person. Yeah. So could you just talk to this, please? Absolutely. Yeah. So I like to make the distinction between quality control and gatekeeping. So it's not necessarily that you're being 
barred from having important or interesting information. It's just that it's very sensitive and it, and if you have the wrong intentions, you could cause harm. So you have access to your record if given permission um, and you come in with the correct heart space, you can access someone else's record. Uh, you can also access the record of, it's sort of like public record, uh, sort of events public that record. have affected. Do we have yeah, public uh, well, record in, in Akasha? <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. Like <laughs> events that have affected us at large. Um, so in America, um, you know, you, you could go back and sort of get into the energy of revolutions, of, of widespread social movements um, to perhaps learn from them. Um, your personal access to it, whether you're just a viewer or an editor, depends on uh, your training, how dedicated you are, again, and the heart space you're coming from. Are you someone who's skilled in this or are you someone who just really would benefit most from learning from it? So there are people who can go in and sort of deal with things like karma and timelines um, and healing. Uh, and there are people who are just here to receive and absorb and accept. And one is not better than the other. So uh, it's just, you know, something to keep in mind. Think to yourself, why am I going into the record? Mm -hmm. Because the why is going to affect the quality of information that you're getting and the depth as well. Mm. But you just mentioned the word editor. I mean, can you edit the Akashic records of your own or, God forbid, of another person? <laughs> yeah, so this actually glances on sort of a tricky concept mm, of time. Okay. Right? Where you can't change the past that you have chosen. Mm -hmm. Now, you can choose to view the past with a different mindset. And so in a way that does change the past, it at least changes your experience, your current experience of the past. Mm -hmm. And when you come from this perspective that time is way more fluid and flexible than we think it is, uh, we have this very hard line stance of it's A, B, C, D, it's very linear. Mm -hmm. But when you go into the Akash, you have to come from this realization and understanding that all things are concurrent. How am I building my identity? Am I building it off a past trauma? Would instead I like to build it off something that was more fulfilling or something that was happy? And it doesn't mean that that thing didn't happen in some space-time reality, but does it have to inform the way you live your life now? It can, if you feel that that's in your greatest and highest good. Or maybe you think that it would be best for you to perhaps let go of something or learn more deeply and then let go from something. Um, so in a way, yes, you can edit. I was speaking more generally in terms of mm, healing large consciousness events. Um, so sometimes as an Akashic Records healer or worker or reader, however you want to call it, you are called to sort of deal with karma. Me specifically, I'm quite frequently called to deal with the karma of a land or a space. And so, yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot of what I do personally. I don't necessarily do that with other people. It's not that I couldn't, but, um, it's just that when I, walk into a space, I become aware of um, what it's holding on to. And then so then I, I help it release its 
negative attachments? What is it trying? What is it pulling from the past to recreate in the present? Um, so, could you give us an example? Yes. Uh, so, the land I'm on currently, um, it's suffering quite a lot. Uh, there is a lot of neglect. There's a lot of the the native population uh, took care of it, but the native population is no longer here because we've in America committed a genocide. Um, and so the land has is suffering for it. And so then the inhabitants of the land are now suffering for it. And so it's stuck in this loop. It's a really complex, deep-rooted one that I haven't completely untangled. But part of my service is to help untangle that. Um, and so I help in any way that I can. It may be something that requires more than just me. Um, or, you know, it may be something that eventually with time and dedication I'll be able to unravel fully. Uh, but that's that's what I got on my plate right now. There's also um, where I used to live before uh, in Nashville. There's the the Battle of Nashville. Um, so that was a really present energy there as well. And you can pick up on that, the karma. Typically what's left over is karma, right? Because that's what we're unwilling to let go of. Uh, so it repeats. This is very beautiful. And I haven't heard of this before. I mean, I I am aware of the Akashic Records, but not about healing the past or negative karma or negative energy, not necessarily of people, but of the land, of maybe, I don't know, situations or the space. That's, that's a beautiful concept and, and quite powerful. I think so too. And honestly, it's not something that I knew of until I learned about what I was doing in the Akash. And then my guides were like, great, here's some more. We need help. And I was like, okay. But if you think about it, your body remembers trauma, right? It holds on to stress. And really, earth is the yeah. same way. Uh, we are made of earth, right? So it would make sense that um, our energies would affect the energies of the earth as well. And typically, it is trauma that we as humans are unwilling to let go of that gets trapped or stuck in a space because the energy of earth itself is really very lovely and if we give it the chance it will heal itself uh, but sometimes uh, the human aspect requires a little encouragement and finesse so mm. that is it, the large part of the trauma that happened there um, because the earth uh, is an incredibly wise teacher and uh, knows how to heal itself but here we are getting in the way can it be done in terms of the healing at any time by anyone, not necessarily people going into the Akashic records of the earth? I would say that it could happen spontaneously. You don't have to do it the way I do it. I do everything Akashically, so I tend to come from that perspective. It's sort of like that Mark Twain quote where it's like a, every, any man with a hammer thinks every problem's a nail, you know? <laughs> um, and I think that it's very possible to do land clearings. I mean, just as someone who isn't even necessarily a spiritual practitioner, but they decide that they are going to take it upon themselves to reforest a plot of land, right? I, that's incredibly healing. And that's something that they just did because they felt like it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, things like that are miraculous and incredibly healing. Um, there's also people who are deeply connected to the land. Um, and by taking care of it and serving it, they can also heal that as well. Um, 
I am very white. And so the way that I would do that, I don't have that background of knowing how to get in touch with the land. I've, we've lost it here in America, at least. Um, so the way that I do it is the only way that, mm. that I know how, which is coming from the, I'm very good at recognizing patterns of karma, really. So that's how I, how I help there. Beautiful. So coming back to the readings, what is the difference between getting information from the person's aura or the energy field, which I believe most clairvoyants and readers and psychics do, and getting it from the Akashic Records? And how can you tell where it's coming from? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So the thing about the Akashic Records is that there's many healings that you can do there. But typically, if someone claims that they're going into the Akashic Records to do something like cleanse your aura or work with your chakras or do any sort of nonsense like that, they may be going into the Akash, but eh, probably not. The reason why is because you don't need to. Now, the difference I would say there is when you're picking up energy or information from people's auric field, uh, you're typically picking up on the mental aura, the mental body, the emotional body, the other subtle energy bodies like that. And it's not that they're not necessarily Akashic, uh, but typically it's associated with who you are at this present moment of unconsciousness, if I were to put it like that. So you may find things that are not necessarily helpful or healing, and this is not bad information to have, but it depends on are you coming from a mindset of, okay, well, how is this a teacher? How can we learn from this? How can we heal from this? How can we release from this? And if you're not coming from that mindset and you are just sort of picking on things from your aura, um, it can get kind of doom and gloom, you know? So I would say the difference is when you're working in the Akash, you're typically working with time. How can I get you back into consciousness? How can I get you back into the actual present moment? How can I get you back to right now? How can I get you back to this point of pure divinity where you are at your point of origination? How can I get you into that energy space? Um, and when you're in that space, everything that is sort of acquired that you've picked up that isn't necessarily you, but you've sort of stuck onto you and tried to make fit so that you could feel safe, all that stuff sort of falls away. Uh, so I would say anything that isn't necessarily that um, is something that isn't Akashic. <laughs> Learn more about Quantum Living, a cutting-edge approach to self-empowerment and emotional freedom at the intersection of science and spirituality. It is the master key to understanding how life works and gives you many tools and strategies to change your life experiences. Whether dealing with emotional addictions, relationship issues, self-sabotage blocking the progress and achievement in your life, or any other challenge, Quantum Living is the space you want to be in. My Quantum Living coaching program is as psychological, spiritual and esoteric as it is educational and practical. In the advanced stage of the program, I will take you on a quantum soul journey in a deep theta state to other dimensions and realities, which is an amazing and profound experience. 
I also invite you to sign up for Quantum Talk, my free monthly newsletter with a blog, updates and special offers. When you do, you will instantly receive a download copy of my book, The Seven Keys to Quantum Communication, absolutely free. To book your free diagnostic session and receive your free book, visit quantumliving.com.au today. You'll be glad you did. Mm-hmm. Is the future information in the Akashic Records fixed or predicted or set in stone? Or is it also fluid, like in our energy field and the quantum field? And could you also touch upon the soul journey? The way I see it is that the Akashic Records or accessing the Akashic Records have a dual purpose. One is at the very practical level to give information to the incarnated soul. And the second is to keep the record and have an overview of the whole soul journey. So it's not just in relation to one particular incarnation, what options we have and what choices we could make, but also to have a broader overview of our soul journey. So going to other lifetimes, perhaps other dimensions, other realities. Let me think of how to start this. So I would say that nothing is necessarily fixed or set in stone unless you are stuck in a loop of karma. And even then, it's not necessarily set in stone because you have the opportunity to step out of a karmic pattern at any point in time in consciousness. But let's say you're stuck in a pattern of unconsciousness. You're determined to see it through to the end. Um, You've picked up on the karma of what some people call a past lifetime. um, And let's say, I'll pick a horrible example. Um, In a past lifetime, you committed a murder of jealousy and rage. Your lover was sleeping with someone else and you couldn't handle it. And you're stuck in that energy in this current lifetime and you decide to repeat it. That is sort of really the only time that uh, the future is set in stone. Uh, Now, large social movements tend to also, um, social movements, things that start wars, um, things that have precipitated war, things like that, those carry moments of large unconsciousness. Um, And so when we get stuck in that energy of mm, mindless anger or mindless fear, uh, then we tend to recreate outcomes. The only time something is set in stone is when we decide to create it, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Now, if you come from the perspective that all time is now, and I think that most experienced meditators would probably think that, yeah, that's kind of the insight that you get from meditation. Um, Every once in a while, or maybe a lot, if you're really uh, an excellent meditator, you sort of get into this moment where you're in this exact moment and the entire universe and your mind opens up to you. Now, when I started working in the Akash um, and I was introduced to my own soul record, 
I very much wanted to know about my past lives. I wanted to know who I was. I was so excited. I'm like, mm-hmm. I love history. I just give me this juicy information. I was in this course <laughs> with other people who were like, oh my gosh, I was X, Y, and Z. I was Cleopatra. Everyone thinks they're Cleopatra. I was yeah. the Joan of Arc, you know? <laughs> and I was like, great, give me this. This is amazing. And uh, my guides, when I finally got into my book, I was like, what's this? The guides who were with me were like, yeah, you don't have any past lives. Um, You also don't have any karma. And I was like, how can this be? Uh, It was a real letdown for me. It was like a wah, wah, wah kind of a moment. And I fought this information for a really long time because everyone else had always told me that that can't be right. Everyone has past lives. Everyone has multiple past lives. You've probably been here for hundreds of years. Just keep trying. So I kept trying. I got the same information and then eventually I was like, okay, what are you talking about? And they said to me that the fundamental problem with the concept of past lives is that all things are happening concurrently. So it would be more accurate to say that perhaps you're experiencing a parallel life or a a Mm. concurrent life. Mm -hmm. And it really brings to mind and solidifies it into your head that time is not, you know, 1600s, 1700s, 1800s. The 1600s is happening in its moment right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2022 is happening in its moment right now. And it's all happening at the same time, which sounds weird and strange. Uh, but if you, and I was talking about this earlier with you is <laughs> on earth yeah. right now, it's not the same day or the same time all over the same place. However, we're all on this space rock together at the same time. And if you can get your mind around um, time zones, then you can (laughs) get your mind around this. It's just on a larger scale. And when you get rid of sort of that constricting idea of time is linear, um, I must have had past lives because it informs who I am in this life. Then you actually enter in this space when you can let go of karma and you can start examining why you were picking up on this other person's experience. What is it that you two have in common? How are you vibrating in the same wavelength? What pain point do you guys have in common? And that's the most frequent thing that people don't necessarily know that is why they've connected in with someone, but it's an opportunity for both people to learn from each other. I have a problem that you have, but I can't see the solution in my own life, but perhaps I can see it in yours. That is a healthy way to engage with a past or Mm -hmm. more accurately concurrent life. Um, And I have had an experience where I've connected in with a, another consciousness that felt like me. And so I was like, this must be a past life. But what it was is we were experiencing the same pain and the same trauma. And what I could do is I could look at this person and I could say, those people are wrong about you. You know, like I, you don't need to feel this way. This is, this is not right. And then when I was able to do that for that person, I was then able to do it for me. And so that's really the only healing way to engage with this concept of past lives. Um, And I personally don't even like to call them past lives. I think it it would probably be better for us to start calling them concurrent lives because 
it gives this other person that you're connecting into the opportunity for them to be themselves and to heal. Because if you keep connecting into their point of pain, it's sort of like a negative feedback loop. You're both feeding each other. You're both giving energy to the same issue. And when you let go of that, you also give yourself the opportunity to be fully who you are because you were created specifically for this moment in time. You're entirely unique and special. And the universe has literally never done anything exactly like you before. Um, And this is really a beautiful concept because then when you come from this state of mind, no one's ever had any past lives and no one has karma. Karma is then what we decide to pick up. Instead, we can decide to put it back down and let the energy run out. But karma has this way of being really sticky and kind of magnetic. And we think, oh, well, isn't that interesting? I wonder what that is. I want to know what that mystery is. Um, And we can learn the mysteries. We can come from sort of a more heart-based place rather than just trying to dig our hands in in the muck. Um, But that is what my guides in the Akash have taught me about the soul journey. It's really about coming to this understanding Mm -hmm. of I am me now. And who is me? Can I go a little deeper into that? Can I go even deeper? And can I go so deep enough that I find source, that I find oneness, that I find God again? Uh, Because if you keep going into the Akash and you keep finding Susie in the 1600s who worked on, you know, a a farm in Brittany, then you're never going to find anything. You're just going to keep finding. Yeah, you're going to keep recycling. Beautiful. It's more like seeing stories. Yes, yeah. That, yes, no, they are beautiful and lovely. Some are dramatic, some are traumatic. But, okay, what are we getting out of them? This is lovely. And the the point that you just talked to about our lives being concurrent and in the now, really, is probably the most difficult one to grasp because in our brains, in our current development, we perceive time linearly. And so when we are on a linear timeline, it is really difficult for many people to, if not for all of us, (laughs) to wrap our minds around the concept, which is so counterintuitive that no, it is not other lives and other, not past lives, not future lives but it's all happening at the same time. In fact, another word that just came to me is that we could talk about it as another experience or different experience. So can I see my other experiences in the creation, which means could be on the linear timeline, could be past, present, future, concurrent, up, down, sideways, whatever, but other experiences, it just came to me. I would like to share some thoughts on karma, free will, and destiny, because I know that is such a huge topic. And it wasn't until probably a couple of years ago, and I've been on my own spiritual pathway and and personal development pathway, etc., for most of my life, since my teenage years. 
But it wasn't until maybe a couple of years ago or so that I actually found the answer to my question that I kept asking and asking and asking and researching and looking, what is the difference between karma, free will and destiny? How do they all come together? So finally, one day in my meditation, I was given the answer and it made so much sense. So I would like to share this with you and with our listeners. What I was told is that destiny is a product of free will exercised by the soul in spirit between incarnations. So we're talking about the soul blueprint for the incarnation. Karma is a product of free will exercised by the ego during incarnations. Life is a function of destiny, karma, and free will. Now, we could say, just to simplify it, throw into the pot your destiny, karma, and free will, stir it well, and you will get your life. You can think of your free will as your creative tool, like a paintbrush. You used it to paint your destiny on the canvas of this incarnation and used it many times and continue to use it every day on the physical plane to create new karma, change your karma, and to change your destiny. That information was, to me, so profound, and it absolutely and totally explained the question that I was grappling with most of my life. What are your thoughts? That's a really concise explanation, and I thank you for bringing that through from your guides. That's helpful. It's interesting. I have also wondered about destiny, and karma is never really anything that I personally worried about, oddly enough, um, but I've always been good at recognizing patterns and picking up patterns, even as a kid. I just do it subconsciously. It's kind of fun for me. So karma is easy in that way because it's just a pattern. It's a repeating pattern. But destiny always made me wonder, what am I destined to do? You know, like, is it just going to fall into my lap? How is this going to? The way that I see it... Um, is your destiny is wrapped up in your soul blueprint. Your destiny is for you to be yourself, should you accept the task. And I I call it a soul blueprint, but if you don't mind, I'd like to explain a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I first studied under an evidential medium. And instead of uh, picking up on people's past loved ones, what I would typically do is pick up on like their soul incarnation's purpose. I would be like, oh, you've gotten off track on this. Uh, you actually came here, you embody X, Y, and Z, but instead I'm getting the feeling that you ve- you want to talk about that? And I would get that information and I would see this information as sort of like a snowflake. My guides first showed it to me to say that, oh, this is this person's special and this is how, you know, and then I would sort of see it as a mandala or it's also sort of kind of like a grid pattern. Um, And what that is, is it shows me and you how you, it's like the 2D template of the 3D you. So your destiny is to be a teacher or to be a student or to be kind or to be helpful. And 
this sort of drove me nuts when my guys were teaching this about me because I was like, what's my purpose? <laughs> what's my destiny? And they're like, well, you really like to teach and you really like to learn. And I was like, what kind of an answer is that? You know, like, tell me to be a banker. Tell me to be a NASCAR driver. Give me something concrete. And what I had to do is I had to get into that energy. What does it mean to be someone who loves to learn? What does it mean to be someone who likes to disseminate knowledge? What does it mean to be someone who likes to be of service? How do I go deep into that? How do I express that in my unique way? And from that perspective, um, that to me is destiny. When you decide to be who you actually are. Now, I recognize the soul blueprint as Akashic information because this is the you that was you when you were very first created. So I'm going back to this point in time of distinction from where you have not necessarily separated from the all, but you have gained consciousness of this piece of yourself. And so now it gives this idea that you are separate, even though you're not separate. But in this moment, who is this right here on, on this, this little piece of God? Who is this? What have we put together? What have we put in the pot, essentially? Um, and so that is how I uh, came to view destiny. Um, but I, I really like the clear, concise way that, that you have just put it. Thank you. Yes. And also, uh, we could think of destiny in a perhaps simplified and more practical way. Think of your destiny as a blueprint that you bring, your soul brings with it into each incarnation. And if you were not to make any effort to grow and develop and learn, but simply go through your life almost like an automatic. So if you were not to make any effort to change anything, you have a blueprint which will unfold from your birth until your death with no changes. And that's okay if that was your decision. That's fine. But if you start looking and searching and inquiring and wanting to change what is unfolding automatically for you, that's how you can change your destiny. So this links directly to your explanation. Yes, we can change our destiny. If I decide not to do anything about my life, I still have a basic flat blueprint. You will never be left just hanging out there with, with absolutely no, no purpose and, and no, uh, no direction. There is always something there at the very basic level. So I totally agree with you. Yeah. Well, I, I love how you put that. One of the things in Soul Blueprint work when I do with people is you are always living out a version of your blueprint. Just you existing um, doing the minimum, doing nothing, laying in bed all day, you're, you are still an expression of your blueprint. Now, we can express our blueprint in different ways uh, off of our free will. So maybe someone who's a criminal mastermind is a genius and their intellectual genius is in their blueprint. They have chosen perhaps to express it in this way or they could become a life-saving revolutionary brain surgeon. You know, it could be, it just depends on how you are 
expressing yourself. What feels good to me? Or, you know, sometimes people are stuck in what doesn't feel good because I don't know any other way. But either way, no matter what you're doing and where you are on the spectrum, you're expressing some part of your blueprint. So there's really no such thing. One time I I heard someone say, oh, it was a wasted life. And that drove me crazy because there's literally no such thing. You have no one has ever, no matter how short the life was, has ever been a wasted life. It was always valuable and it was always useful and the universe has learned and grown from it. And I love how you said build upon your blueprint um, because when you, you like the universe are ever expanding. And so as you accept who you are and build upon it and do new things that perhaps even the universe did not think of yet, you've done something new and it's so excited to co-create with you on it, you are now building and helping the universe expand. Um, and so I always encourage people to live in the most fulfilling, highest, uh, version of their blueprint. Um, when we tear, uh, veer, I'm sorry, into criminal mastermind territory, we tend to contract the universe, but again, free will, everyone's got it. We are all creators. Um, and that's one of the really, I think, beautiful things about living is that, no matter how impactful or unimpactful you think that you are, you have irrevocably changed time, history, reality, just by existing. Absolutely. And I love what you said that no life is ever wasted, no matter how short or how one might call it insignificant. So say even when uh, when the soul decides to die prematurely as a little baby it is an experience for the soul that it decided to come into this life just for this experience and then it is done and it leaves even though it's painful for other people around it but that's the soul's decision it is and that is sometimes a really hard thing to hear and i get it you know, what parent wants to hear that? But there are things that are good that can come from it. Um, the soul themselves learns and grows. This is a cherished, valuable experience. They experience the love of parents. They experienced what it is to be a human, however brief that is, which is an invaluable experience. And on top of that, Sometimes as a as a parent or as just someone, anyone who's lost a loved one, you have a unique opportunity to experience uh, something beyond this linear reality. When a medium, for example, connects with uh, a loved one for someone, it's only possible because time isn't linear. It's only possible because time is concurrent. So you're able to reach any loved one at any moment uh, through a space of love uh, because time is something that we have structured in our reality this way because we think it serves us. But really, we're creating time as we live it. We're creating each now moment as we, as we do it. Right now, my bathroom sink is off. But in the next now moment, I could turn it yeah. back on. You know, I've created that. I've manifested that, however small or insignificant it might seem. 
And um, your loved one has perhaps created this reality for themselves and it is valuable to them. And uh, it's certainly, I guess, impactful or profound for mm-hmm. everyone else that their life has touched as well. But it's it's important. It really is important for people to realize that loved ones have never left us. Yes. Um, it's different. It's different. It's not the same. You can't necessarily hug them, but you can still feel the love. Would you like to learn how to meditate in theta? The optimum frequency you can have in a meditative state? By popular demand, I have created an instructional theta meditation package containing a guided audio meditation and an introduction booklet. It is a unique, one-of-a-kind resource that will help you achieve and maintain the elusive theta state throughout your meditation and will give you the important background information about theta meditation and this process. For more details, please go to the store on my website at quantumliving.com.au. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'd like to add to this point that in order to ease the pain and anguish and desperation when a loved one dies would be to come to terms with the other soul's will. Absolutely. And because we are so physically attached to each other, we come from, well, let's face it, a fairly selfish point of view that they left me and I have no connection with them. But this is their choice, the soul's choice and will. Let's respect it and honor it. Yes, that's a beautiful way to put it. I I think it is. And it really, you know, some people heal by thinking that this current reality is all that there is. And in order for me to move forward, I have to let them go fully. And I, I don't want to step on the way anyone heals. Um, but I think it, it that's also a really beautiful way to put it, is that you're honoring this soul's agency and their, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, their, their, you know, Christ light and their divinity. And to know that you also carry that same spark of divinity. And so you have access to them mm-hmm. at any moment, at any time you can connect into them. Um, and they're always, they're always there for that. They're always there for healing. Um, and in my experience of training under a medium, um, I saw that firsthand. And the things that can be brought through from an evidential medium are literally miraculous. Um, and it, it helps people open up to this idea that, oh, there's more than what I'm just paying attention to. And I think that that's, mm. that's the thing. Um, we have this tendency to only pay attention to the physical Um, But there are things that are not physical, emotions. Your love for this person isn't physical. It's something that you feel. um, There's evidence left behind of an emotion. Uh, Chemicals change in your brains. Uh, Our heart might start beating faster. Our pupils might dilate. But that's only the evidence left behind of this unseeable force. Um, And so just connecting into that same unseeable force, that thing that you guys had in common, is how you can can reach out to them. And again, it's very Akashic because it's time-related. 
Time is what we make of it, you know? Absolutely. And on the practical level, and a lot of people do this, well, for a number of purposes, but it also helps them to heal, Mm -hmm. to look at the persons who has died legacy. Yeah. If they haven't left any legacy as such, can we create it for them? For example, parents whose child was killed in a car accident by a drunk driver decide to start a training program or a trust fund or a foundation, something to raise the awareness of drink driving, Mm -hmm. which creates an immediate legacy for the child Mm -hmm. who was killed in that car accident. And they say that it helps them to heal. It helps them to go through the grieving process because there is such a positive outcome for the greatest good, mm-hmm. even though the loved one has died. Yeah. And I know it's who cares about the greater good when my current good is not good. You know, sometimes that's hard to hear as well. And I, I get that. Yes. But I do think the idea of the legacy is something that may be, may, may be helpful for people. And you may be thinking, my loved one wasn't here long enough. Or how can I create a legacy, you know, over someone who maybe was a premature baby and didn't make it. But what you felt for that person is the legacy. That's what lives on. And if you live inspired by that feeling, you've created a legacy. Uh, You can then go on and touch an infinite number of hearts that way. Um, And it's this person, this being who helped you do that, you know, and that is is beautiful. And on top of that, they're still here. (laughs) You know, you get all of these, you know, these potentially (laughs) beautiful outcomes and you still get to be close to this, this being that you knew. Um, If you yourself open up to more possibilities just a little bit. And oftentimes that is what can happen um, when someone passes is one of the fringe benefits of it is that it it helps their loved ones open up as well. Mm. Um, I know there are um, in cultures, I think particularly indigenous cultures where a person in grief, um, people would give them their prayers because they were considered to be in such a holy space because grief opens you up so much um, that it was like, oh, this person is in contact with the divine. Like mm, this person yeah. is in contact with, and that is what grief is a deeply uncomfortable feeling, but it's also, in, it's a very opening kind of a feeling. You sort of let down all your defenses and you can't really feel anything besides what you're feeling in the moment. You're completely present. Um, and so that's, that's what that is. Your prayers are considered to be particularly potent and powerful. Um, and when you, when you work in the Akash, uh, the 1800s are as close as 2022, right? And when you're a medium, you're accessing time in a different way, but it's sort of, you're using a person or a love in order to connect with that different time. Um, and when you come into the now moment, you realize that there are so many more people around you and that you can connect into that you had been paying attention to. Maybe you had one person in mind, but actually there are like 300 people who are trying to get your attention. Mm. Um, It's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a painful portal. Yeah. But also a beautiful one. Yes. It's absolutely fascinating and beautiful. And there is still so much that we can learn about it, the process Mm -hmm. and the whole 
concept, which is the objective and the mission of this podcast yeah. to bring to people's attention and awareness those hidden or taboo or still behind the veil concepts and situations and facts and truths about who we are and our lives. Beautiful. Would you like to share any particular case studies from your work with people? Very interesting or unusual? Yeah, I would love to. So the way that I work in the Akashic Records is perhaps radically different than what most people are used to in the Akash. Um, when you go to an Akashic Records reader, most people are thinking, oh, I'm going to get a printout of all the past lives that I've lived, 400, you know, 16 of them were in ancient Egypt, 40 of them were in Germany, you know, yada, yada. I don't find that to be particularly helpful or healing or useful. Uh, the My main mission in the Akash is to get you to recognize and really to confront you with your Christ light, your inner divinity, your God consciousness. And I can't do that if I am helping you connect to some past life that isn't really you. And what I do, and most recently in the Akashic Records readings that I've given, is I've really been led by this person's soul to open up their book with a specific intention of bringing through that Christ light. So that has been really fascinating. Um, and that's really more definitively and more clearly what my work has become. And there were people in the past that I've worked with where we had to deal with issues of karma more deeply before we could sort of access that point of inner divinity, of realization. And that's fine and dandy. I, that's fun for me too. Um, oftentimes it is connected with more ancient periods, um, especially if you are someone who's spiritually inclined, a spiritual practitioner. Um, for instance, I was I worked with someone once who was an ancient scribe and part of their work was to uh, make sure that information didn't die, that... Um, esoteric knowledge didn't die out. And so they took that very seriously. And that same anxiety was, was something that they were living out in this moment. Um, and so we had to come to the realization that, you know, you don't need to hold on to that. Um, that was a different time. This is now, um, you're not a scribe, um, but you do still have access to that esoteric information. And, uh, that, I think, is a particular pain point for us as a species right now is that we feel we don't have any access to esoteric information. We don't have access to our soul's light. And so we have to keep going back into these old spaces where the the trauma of trying to protect it and preserve it is in order to, to go get it again. And again, this isn't true because we are inherently spiritual beings. We couldn't exist otherwise. We have to be of God. That's all there is, right? Or, or source or the universe, however you want to put it. We're made of the same stuff. We come from this same point of origination of consciousness. And so to know that we actually are living expressions of esoteric knowledge. So really the work becomes how deeply can I know myself? How deeply can I know the work that I was here to do? And when you're doing something like, you know, like working in the Akashic Records uh, on, on your own 
light and in your own book, this is really the true intention of what it is. So it's not necessarily, I don't mean to condemn anyone who pulls in past lives for people, but I do want someone who gets a, a reading like that to question, why do I feel like I need that information? What good do I get from it? Am I building my current identity off this identity that someone else has picked up for me? Is it useful? Is it something that I want? Am I trying to make myself feel important or necessary or needed or valuable? Because in a past life, I was a really powerful priestess in Atlantis. Or can I be a really powerful priestess right now? Is that what I want? Do I want to be someone who's really spiritually in tune and powerful? Do I want to be someone who's a, a really powerful defender of justice, a public defender? Do I have to be Someone who was there, uh, a founding father or something, is that necessary or is that inspiration? And so just think about that. And so my my most recent work in the records has really brought that forward. Um, and so I would say probably uh, the, the most impactful thing that I've done and the thing that sticks with me the most is when I work with a soul that's ready to bring through its own Christ light. It's really sort of inspiring and very cool because it requires almost no work on my part. <laughs> because the soul is very motivated to do it. And I'm just sort of there as an access point for them. So it's, it's exciting. Mm. Beautiful. So Julia, could you tell us about your services, your work, your programs, how people can work with you and how they can contact you? And obviously I will include all the links in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking. So you can reach me at divinerealignment.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram by the same name, YouTube as well, um, but you can hit my website up and find all of that information there. Currently, I have two readings offerings set up. Um, one is a soul blueprint alignment, as I call it, and the other one is an Akashic Records reading. Uh, probably by the time this podcast comes out, um, I'm going to start shifting my services into something that's a little bit more like a mentorship. So I'll work with someone. We'll do an Akashic Records uh, sort of assessment with you. Uh, my work is to really help people recognize their God consciousness. And so I would work with someone um, and then they would work with me for a longer period than just a single session because it's a lot that comes through. But um, if that is something that interests you or if you're just curious, uh, check out my website. Absolutely. Thank you so much. What would be your final message, your key takeaway from this conversation that you would like to leave our audience with? My biggest message and what I hope everyone is able to realize in this lifetime is that they're an expression of God, that they're quite literally divine, and that if you are looking for something bigger or deeper or some sort of connection, that it's already, it's you. You are the connection. You don't need to go to someone else. You don't need to mm. go to a, a priest or a pastor or even me. Uh, but I'm happy to help. But I just wish and I want people to meditate on the idea of what would it mean to be divine? What does that challenge within me? Mm. What would it mean to be a living Christ? What would it mean to be someone who is God? Um, and just let that radically change your world. Oh, thank you. It's beautiful. I'm loving it. Well, Julia, it's been such a pleasure 
thank you so much for your beautiful presence and everything that you have shared with us on quantum living and all the best with your work, which is very important and I would say needed, especially now these days. And so I do hope and I would encourage people to uh, visit uh, Julia's website and get in contact with her if this sort of work is of interest to you and have a chat. Thank you so much, Julia. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. That was such a fun conversation. Thank you. That's all for today, folks. If you enjoyed the show, please post a review on Apple Podcasts to encourage others to listen to it and lift the spirit across the world and the universe. For the show notes and contact details, please go to my Quantum Living Podcast on podpage.com. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for listening. I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode of Quantum Living. Until then, be well.